So the message this morning is entitled, If I Can. Now, I'm not asking you for permission if I can do something. It's actually a statement that Jesus made in Mark chapter 9. It's the story where, where Jesus uh, cast out the demonic spirit that was holding the, the father's son in captivity, the one where the disciples had tried to do so and did not have success in doing so. Then the father ended up coming to Jesus and he said, Jesus, you know, he said, uh, if you can do anything, if you can, help us. And Jesus basically retorted and said, if I can, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, if I can, uh, it's all dependent upon your ability to believe, not on whether I can or not. So if we uh, are prepared to do so, let's uh, begin reading from Mark chapter 9. The story here begins in, in verse 14. It's right on the heels of, I find it interesting because this kind of, this is a lesson uh, that's applicable as well. But Jesus had just been on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And that's the beginning of the chapter, of Mark chapter 9. So he had this awesome experience, awesome encounter with God on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is uh, connected with, with God, a manifestation of God uh, for Jesus and for Peter and James and John. And immediately upon descending from the mountain, he comes into this. And I think the life lesson there is, have you ever noticed in life when you have just something really, really cool happens, it almost, you have to very much guard your heart because something will come right in there to, to steal all the joy, all the blessings, and all the grace that you just encountered with God. The enemy comes, it seems like the enemy comes immediately to steal the word that's been sown into our hearts. So anyway, that's the background story here. Mount of Transfiguration, an awesome encounter with God, an experience of heaven. Peter was so excited he wanted to build three tabernacles, and obviously Peter had never gone through a church building program, or he would not have recommended that. But nonetheless, he said, let's build three tabernacles, but that, that didn't happen. So let's drop that story, and let's pick up and where Jesus heals the demon-possessed boy. I'm going to read... Beginning at verse 14, and we'll, we'll read most of the story. Then we're gonna, I'm going to go back and break it into four scenes. And I think that will help us remember it and also help in, in, in the application of it in our lives today. So in verse 14, it says, When they returned, this is from the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some, of the, some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. Uh, make a note there of arguing, arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so, so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever, his spirit, whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, and they couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Interesting thing about that is a, a few chapters earlier in Mark chapter 6 and verse 7, we read that Jesus gave them authority to cast out evil spirits. So they had the authority to do it, and they did have success. But now, this instance, they're not having success. So well, it says that they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. 
Now, I don't know about you, but that's never a position I want to be in when Jesus starts talking to me like that. Oh, you faithless person, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's, that's language of uh, not having met expectations of you. But anyway, Jesus continues on, and he says, bring the boy to me. In verse 20, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Verse 21, how long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. No faulting the Father. Have mercy on us. Help us if you can. Verse 23, Jesus retorted, What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, Anything is possible if a person believes. Say that with me. Say, Anything is possible if a person believes. Now make it personal. Say, Anything is possible when I believe. All right. Verse 25, Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing. He rebuked the evil spirit. He rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you this morning for, for, again for this opportunity. Uh, to gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus to worship you, to lift you up, to exalt your holy name. We thank you for your presence in our midst here. And as we look into the word of God, we thank you that you are speaking to us today. That it's not just a story and an historical event, but also the application for our lives today. That we come into a place that, that we want to grow in our belief, in our faith, where all things are possible to him that believes. So, Father, help us. Just like the Father said, I, I do believe. Help me to overcome Unbelief. So help all of us overcome any unbelief we may have brought in here with us this day. In Jesus' name, name above all names, amen. So this particular story, there's a lot in it. We could go a lot of different directions, so I have to keep my eye on the clock because it could go for quite a while, but I, I, I want to go through it here. So think of it as uh, this story comprising four scenes. The first scene is in verses 14 through 19, and that's where it begins with the crowd is gathered around uh, the disciples in, in, a, in, in, a, in a debate, and it, and it culminates with Jesus lamenting over the faithless people. But when I read that, I ask you to make note of that in, in verse 14, where it says they were arguing. And then again in verse 16, you know, Jesus asked, what is all this arguing about? What's all this arguing about? And Jesus Jesus lamenting and, and saying, you faithless 
people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So that's scene number one. Then we get into the, in, into the second scene, which is verses 20 through 24, where the father brings, uh, this brings Jesus face to face with the desperate father and, and, and the father confessing uncertainty of his faith. But I want you to notice here that uh, in verse 22, when he had been answering the father, at the end of it, he says, have mercy on us. He had asked the, 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 Jesus had asked the father about the son, how long has this been a, a taking place in your son's life? And, and uh, he said, ever since he was a little boy, have mercy on us and help us if you can. If you can. And Jesus replied, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. And the father's reply to that was, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, but help my unbelief has resonated with every one of us fighting that same battle. We believe, but we also have the struggle of coming to faith in, in, in the areas of that we just are not believing. We're not there yet. We believe, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. The father is pleading for help just as he is. He is a believer struggling for faith, struggling, for, struggling with unbelief. And we need to recognize also that we are where we are in our belief with God, in our faith with God. The Bible refers to having faith and, you know, it's a little faith and great faith. You know, there's different increments of faith, but you know, that's, that's not the point that we're talking about today. But the Father's saying, I do believe, but what I need you to do is I, I, I'm asking you to meet me where I'm at and go beyond that. How many people could use God meeting you exactly where you are today and then go beyond that? Everyone say beyond. Beyond, beyond what I'm believing right now. Or beyond what I can believe right now. And, and don't get religious on me saying, well, God can't go beyond what you believe. Well, just hang on. We're not done yet, all right? We're only at scene two. We have two more scenes to get through. So don't try to figure out how this movie is going to end. This is not a Hallmark movie where you can easily figure it out, all right? You know which guy she's going to end up getting married to. The guy from the country, the practical guy, not the guy in the city with the, all the fancy cars and the, you know. I, I mean, I, at least I think that's how it's going to end. I, I, I never hang around because it's just way too tense for me. I don't like that kind of pressure. So I just tell Nancy, I said, I need to leave the room. I can't, I can't handle this kind of, you know, it's way too, way too tense. But anyway, so this is what I'm believing. Would you help my unbelief? So he's struggling with unbelief. And it's, it's, it's different than, uh, unlike the people of Nazareth. Again, if you go back in chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, you find the people of Nazareth where Jesus said he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Well, their unbelief, the people in Nazareth, they made a choice not believe. He, he said they refused to believe. 
This father is not refusing to believe. He's, he's exercising everything he knows at the level that he's at, and he's also open for Jesus to teach him and to go beyond that. And Jesus, help me here. My, my, my belief isn't at this level, but I need you to help me even in my unbelief. Help my unbelief. So in, in, in Nazareth, there was a refusal to believe, but this father... Belief is repentant, and he asks for help to overcome it. It's a repentant unbelief. I see it. I hear it. I'm not there yet, but I'm open to it. I'm open. That's so different than the people in Nazareth. They made a decision not to believe Jesus because they made a judgment on who he is. They were wrong, but they made their judgments about who they thought he was, and therefore they chose not to believe him. And he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief, because of their unbelief. So we don't want to get stuck in, uh, or we don't want to be camping in our unbelief and refusing to move from it. We want to engage with Jesus in the level that we are, believing what you can believe, exercising that faith, that belief, and then also be open to, I'm not there yet, but I'm open to it, and I want to grow in it. So that's where we need to be. That's where we want to be. We want to be growing. And the Father's plea here is just, have mercy, help us if you can. Help us if you can. And Jesus' retort was, what do you mean, if I can? If I can. Anything is possible if a person believes. Anything is possible. Now, this is not a foundation for the, the, the church, for any one of us here. I know no one at Grace Church ever does that. Anyone watching Grace Church services online never does this. But I have heard of other people that have been doing this. That They use uh, stories like this. They use uh, an example like this to, to uh, just kind of flippantly say, well, the reason that person didn't receive their miracle, the reason they didn't get healed, the reason their needs weren't met is they just weren't believing. Their, their faith wasn't strong enough. This is not fodder for that type of rhetoric. This is, we're, we're not here to be judging one another. We're not here to be arguing with one another and, and, and debating with one another. We're here to exercise the, the belief that we have and to be repentant in the areas that we're not yet believing in. Repentant meaning be, I'm, I'm being teachable. I'm not taking a posture here that this is what I believe, this is the way it is, and there's no other way. I'm repentant. I'm open. Jesus, teach me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, deliver me. Jesus, do in me what you want to do. You deserve all the glory. In my mind, it doesn't make sense, but you, you all the honor, all the glory, it all belongs to you. So we don't want to be judgmental, and we don't want to get in that, the idea of arguing with one another. And Jesus made the statement. He said, anything is possible if a person believes. So what I get from that, and what I want you to take away from this, is that Jesus is really interested in you and I, all of us, coming to a place of believing him. Jesus said it's possible if I believe. So I want to believe him. I want to believe him. I want to believe him to the point that I'm actually doing what I say I believe because what you believe is not what you say you believe. What you believe is what you do. So I want to be doing what I'm believing. I want to be a doer of the word of God. I want to come to a place that I believe Jesus. 
more so than I believe my own perspective, my own judgments, not leaning on my own understanding, my own belief. I'm, one of, I'm believing Jesus. I'm believing his word. I'm believing that if I, Jesus tells me to get out of the boat, I can get out of the boat and I can walk on water. I'm believing that if Jesus tells me to give and it will be given back to me, I believe that when I give, it comes back to me. I want to come to a place where I believe that when Jesus said, you shall speak to this mountain and not doubt in my heart, it would obey me and it would be removed and cast into the sea. I want to come to that place where when I speak, the mountains, the circumstances that are in front of me move. They bow down. And the small bright trees are plucked up by the root and they're cast into the sea, never to reappear again. I want to come to that place of believing, but I'm not there yet. So I take the posture of this father. Lord, I do believe there's a lot of things I believe. I have no problem. I have no struggle, but I don't want to stay at a place where I am. I want to experience that the struggle is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Uh, the struggle is, is that I want to believe more. I want my faith to grow. That's what the struggle is. It's like the rubber band. It's always stretched, but never breaking. And I want to keep it stretched. I always want to keep it stretched. You might be looking at it thinking, you know, you need to back off. That thing's going to break. Uh, no, I want to struggle. I, I, I want to struggle unto faith, unto belief. And so Jesus is saying it's possible. Anything is possible to him that believes. And uh, there's a, a, a paraphrased version of the New Testament. It's called the lame paraphrase. And in, in this particular uh, setting, it's written like this. You know, Jesus said, uh, uh, what do you mean if, if, if I can? The lame paraphrase says, as regards to your remark about my ability to help your son, I tell you, everything depends upon your ability to believe, not on mine to help your son. And that resonates with me because I can see that, yes, it's Jesus can do all things. And I can stand here and tell you, I believe that God can do all things. I believe that Jesus can do anything. I believe he's the creator of the universe. I believe he's my creator. And I believe that he created, he can fix it, he can mend it, he can do whatever needs to be done. And it's all based on my ability and on our ability to trust him and to believe on him. So the struggle is... Uh, to come to faith. The struggle is not with the demon. Don't get fixated on the evil spirit. Be fixated on the struggle to grow in your belief. Grow in your belief. Everything depends on your ability to believe, not on mine to help your son. So let's leave that scene now, just keep it in mind, and let's go to scene number three, verse 25 and 27. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and, 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 and threw the boy in, into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as, people's, as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him up to his feet and he stood up. So here's scene number three. Jesus spoke to the demon and he commanded him, he, he commanded 
him to come out of the child and never to enter him again. Jesus didn't entertain a conversation with the demon. He didn't ask him his name. He didn't do, you know, he, matter of fact, he didn't even talk to him. He asked the father. He, earlier he asked the father, how long has this been going on? He didn't ask the demon. Don't get fixated on demons and try to enter into conversations with them and ask them how long and what's your name and all this stuff. Be fixated on growing in your belief. Growing in your faith. So this scene uh, is moving quickly here. Jesus simply speaks to the evil spirit. The evil spirit leaves. He makes one last dramatic manifestation, but Jesus isn't moved by that. He's, he's dealt with convulsions before. He's dealt with what appeared to be death before. He has dealt with uh, deafness before. He's dealt with all these things. So he just simply told him that he needs to be leaving, and he immediately takes us into scene number four, which will help tie all the rest of them together again. Verse 28 and 29, afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Great question. Great question. And I'm sure that you have the same question. Why couldn't I believe God for, and then you fill in the blanks. Why, why couldn't I? Remember, Jesus, Jesus deputized the disciples, and told them to go out two by two in, in Mark chapter 6 and verse 7, I think it is. He deputized them, told them to go out two by two, and, to, and, and, and he authorized them to cast out demons. Now, they have a, they, they had what they're looking here as a, a, a failure. They were not successful in casting the demon out of this young boy. And then the, the father ends up going to Jesus and Jesus deals with it. Now the disciples are alone with Jesus again. And the question is, why the failure? Why the failure? Deputized, authorized. You know, in Mark chapter 16 and, and Matthew 28, I believe, is we have the commission to the church known as the Great Commission, where Jesus commissioned the disciples to go into all the world. And in that commission, he has commissioned us, deputized us as followers of Jesus Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, they would recover. You will cast out devils. So we've been deputized as well. We have been given authority to do a lot of things. And we want to bring our faith to a level we are believing that we can have success in everything that we have been deputized to do, everything we have been authorized to do. But the disciples, in, in, in credit to them, they come privately with Jesus in, in, in the home here, and they're saying, he was alone with them in the house, and they're saying, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? There's some uh, noteworthy observations I want to share with you. Again, this is not to give you ammunition to, to beat someone else over the head or to condemn someone else when, uh, when they don't have success, when their prayers aren't answered. This is for you personally. This is for observation. And again, it's not even to condemn you or to beat you over the head, but just something for you to think about and, and ask yourself and be honest with yourself, where, have, where do I need to grow in my belief? What, what am I aligned to take place up here in my mind that's hindering my belief growth? What's hindering my growth in the realm of believing God so that anything is possible to him that believes? Well, if anything is possible to him that believes, then I have limited myself. As good as life has been, as good as God is to me, if anything is possible, there are some other things that ought to be done. 
in and through my life. You may not feel that way, but I feel that way. If you're satisfied, then you'd be satisfied. But no, I shouldn't say that. You shouldn't be satisfied. I know there's things in your life that, that, that you, you can do more. God wants to do more in and through you. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to do more. If you would only believe. <laughs> so get your act together and believe with me. All right, so some noteworthy observations. Back to verse 14 and verse 16 and verse 14, they're arguing. They are arguing with the teachers of religious law. And Jesus said in verse 16, what's all this arguing about? After this whole discourse takes place, right? After these four scenes are closed, the, 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 the story goes on and talks about the greatness in the kingdom of God. And in verse uh, 38, Jesus, uh, teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because it, he wasn't in our group. Arguing and being jealous of other people having success is not an environment for your belief to grow. So if you're caught up, just take an inventory of, of your life, of your time, of, of your devotional time, and, and your interactions with other people, even getting together, and it, it could be in small groups. Are your small groups life-giving, or are you getting together in your small groups and arguing about what I believe, and no, this isn't right, and that's not right, and well, I mean, let's, let's just argue scripture. Well, we don't want to be arguing, we want to be growing. We want to be growing, and so be, be uh, uh, just have a, a noteworthy observation. Arguing is not an environment for your belief to be solidified. Jesus referred to, it, to them as faithless in verse 19. He said, you faithless people. You don't want to be characterized as being faithless. You don't want to be arguing and, and at the same time being faithless. You want to keep yourself in the Word of God. Faith comes to you by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So feed yourself with the Word of God. Protect your heart. Guard your heart. Don't be caught up in, 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 a, in, in, in argumentative type environments. But the good news is, even though they were caught up in arguing, and even though uh, they did not have success, Jesus came along, and Jesus was successful in casting out this evil spirit. And the disciples were willing to come to Jesus privately, and they were interested in knowing, okay, where did we screw up? You deputized us. You gave us authority. You send us out two by two to cast out demons to heal the sick. And we've had success in the past, but now, now we're not having success. So I really think it's right and fair to go back and say, well, the environment. Everyone said the environment. Is it an environment of belief? Is it an environment of faith, an environment of love, an environment of mercy and compassion? Or is it an environment of I know more than you know. You don't believe what I believe. I don't think what you believe is right. You need to believe what I believe. That church over there doesn't believe what we believe. Where's that going to get you? Going to get, keep you stuck. And we don't want to stay stuck. We want to continue to grow. We want to continue to grow. So they say, why couldn't we? Why couldn't we? Wondering if something was wrong with their technique. Everyone say technique. 
You don't want to be argumental. You don't want to be faithless. And you don't want to get caught up in religious law and techniques. And we say technique again. We as Christians, spirit-filled, spirit-led, Holy Spirit-led believers can get caught up in techniques like as if there is no Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, and direct us. We come up with formulas. I mean, I got into the Holy Spirit, Word of Faith movement back in the latter part of the the, uh, 70s and into the 1980s and into the 1990s and and in, in the 80s is when praise and worship, vibrant praise and worship really was introduced to the church and things were really moving along. Intercessory prayer came up along with that and, and uh, along with that was uh, the strong emphasis on, on uh, deliverance ministries and casting out spirits, evil spirits and all uh, kind of books were written and seminars were being held and, and uh, this is how you do it. Books on how to heal the sick and gave you formulas on how to heal the sick depending on what's the issue was it told you how specifically how to pray and how to uh, position the person and how to pray for the person. Uh, demons, they had all kinds of things in there that you were supposed to do before you cast out a demon and, and uh, just all kinds of procedures and techniques. And if you follow these particular procedures, everything was very lineal. You do A, B, and C, this will be the outcome. And if you, if you miss one of the steps, that is the reason it didn't work. So they're thinking, why couldn't we? Wondering if something was wrong with their technique. You see, even in the ancient world, and it's probably not just the ancient world, it's probably even today, that uh, uh, exorcists and sorcerers relied on the right combination of chants and actions that would invoke the appropriate power to achieve their desired result. It was all a matter of technique for them. Relationship to the, to the deity such as love, devotion, was not required for success. Simply employing the proper technique, the proper combination, the proper chance, the proper procedures would bring about success. It would bring about success. So if you follow the rules, you follow the guidelines, you follow the procedures, this is going to be your outcome. You know, some of the deliverance ministries, you know, they're into, you know, you, you need to make, make sure you're built up in your faith. You need to spend some time praying and fasting, and you need to identify the demon, ask the demon its name, and just, you know, it's all kinds of stuff. It's something important that we get into. I'm just sharing with you that a lot, a lot of technique was involved in it. And this is how you do deliverance and ministry. Simply employing the proper technique and the proper combinations and chance will equal success. That's the thinking. And that is not that far away from the, the trap that we as spirit-filled, spirit-led believers can get into. If we say the right prayer, if we are paying our tithe, if we're walking in love, if we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this, then we can wave this magic wand and the outcome will be this over here. And if this outcome, if, this, if we don't have success, then, well, gee... Wonder why we couldn't. Let's go back and see which part of the, which, which part of the manual did I miss? 
The only problem is, is this is the manual that you need to be following. Not some other book, not some other guidelines, not some other deity, but we need to be following the Holy Spirit, which has his procedure spelled out in the Word of God. In the Word of God. And I like what Jesus ended here. He said uh, in verse 29, in verse after they asked, why could we not cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Now, depending on what Bible you're accustomed to reading, if you're reading a, a New King James or a King James or some of the other variants of, of, of the scripture, it might say prayer and fasting. Fasting definitely was not in the original context because if you read in Mark chapter 2, Jesus said, why should they... they they, religious people challenged Jesus, why aren't your disciples fasting like John's disciples are fasting? Jesus said they, they should not be fasting while the bridegroom's still here with them. That'd be like you going to the wedding reception and say, well, I'm really enjoying your wedding. I know I'm the groomsman in your wedding, but you know what? Uh, I'm fasting today. I'm not going to enjoy this reception. <laughs> So Jesus, you know, fasting was not, and Jesus said, they don't be fasting while I'm here. So now here he can't be saying, well, you need to be fasting. He said, no, you don't need to fast while I'm here. All right. So anyway, let's not argue about it. <laughs> Just trust me. <laughs> that sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? Let's not argue. Just trust me. Sounds like the foundation for an ongoing argument. <laughs> I'll be back to you on that, Pastor. I'm going to check that out. So Jesus said by prayer. Do you have any problem with Jesus' response? Anybody have a problem with it? No one has a problem with it? I had a problem with it when I read it. He said, Pastor, why do you have a problem with that? Because Jesus didn't pray. He said, bring the boy to me. And then he said, come out of him, you unclean spirit. And the unclean spirit came out of him. There's no record that Jesus prayed. So if Jesus didn't pray, he just was presented in a circumstance, in a situation, and he dealt with it. And the disciples said, well, why couldn't we do that? He said, this kind only comes out by prayer. But Jesus didn't pray. He just cast it out. He said, now, wait a minute. Does it take prayer? Does it take fasting? What formula? What, you know, come on. Let, give me the formula, Pastor Ray, so I can deal with this situation. Give me a three-step formula so I can believe. I'm telling you that Jesus said this kind only comes out by prayer, but yet Jesus didn't pray prior to casting this one out. But Jesus did pray. He didn't pray, but he did pray. He was a person of prayer. When you read through the Gospels, Jesus repeatedly, he's spending time alone with the Father. He's praying. And I believe what, uh, what became clear to me is that this prayer is not a prayer like, like a sorcerer would pray. It's not going through certain chants and certain procedures and, and so many days of fasting and, and so many days of preparation. No, I'm simply going to, I am in a place where I'm believing God because I have been in communion with God. Identify prayer. So how would you identify prayer? Prayer is being in communion with God. 
But see, we have broken prayer down, and, and I've done it, and there's nothing wrong with doing it, but you don't want to be stuck in it and make a formula out of it, but the Bible teaches on different types of prayer. Prayers of intercession, prayers of agreement, prayers of faith, prayers of consecration and dedication, and there's different, there, there's different procedures and different rules that govern those prayers. You've heard me use the illustration before, just like different sports have different rules. You don't play basketball with baseball rules. And so you don't pray the prayer of faith with intercessory rules or some things like that. And so that's all well and fine for studying, but what Jesus is saying here, this kind comes out, only comes out by prayer. I, I'm convinced that what he's referring to here is this kind, you have the authority, you've been deputized to deal with situations like this, but it's very, very important that you stay in tune with me. Stay in communion with me. Be in fellowship with me. Be built up. Be built up. That way you're always ready. You're always ready. You're always ready. I got caught up in the formula stuff and the, the excitement about having faith and the excitement about having authority in the name of Jesus and the excitement about helping deliver people that were, you know, at least we made a judgment it was an evil spirit that they needed to be delivered. And I got involved in two or three of those sessions and I had to go to Jesus afterwards and say, why didn't it come out? <laughs> and the whole, it's just something was weird about the whole thing the whole time. And I, I, I sensed it and I knew it, but I didn't know what else to do other than say, yeah, well, I'm going to grieve these people. We're going to get together and we're going to bring this person into the room and we're going to cast the devil out of him. And we had our formula that we were going to use and we went through all our formulas and the man left the room the same way he came in. Tried that two or three other times with other people, and I thought, okay, there's something missing here. There's something missing. And I said, I'm not going to go down that road. And shortly after I made that decision, I was preaching for a, I was, I was an associate pastor with uh, Pastor Barry Woods in Bradenton, Florida. I was preaching, there was a person sitting somewhere in this area where Daniel's sitting, and, and all the time I was preaching, he was just like contorting and just making, you know, just distracting and I remember being about 15 minutes into my message, I just looked at the person and I said, you stop that right now in the name of Jesus. That was it. That was it. Just sat there just as calm and attentive the rest of the service. We didn't have to call for a special meeting. We didn't have to stop and say, okay, now this church, let's get together and let's all fast this week. And then we're going to pray for this person. Formulas. Formulas. Beware of them. Are there things we can learn? Are there, are, there, are there procedures? Are there steps of growth? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are there different types of prayer in the Bible? Absolutely. But first and foremost, before we break it all down into certain formulas, okay, for this situation, I'm going to chant this, and I'm going to do this. For this situation, I'm going to chant this, and I'm going to do this. And I'm finally coming to a place that, you know what, Lord, I'm asking you why is this person I prayed for not healed? Why is this person I prayed for not delivered? Why is my prayer not answered? Why, why after my praying am I still suffering this? Why after my praying is this need not met? Going beyond that and coming into a place where I'm in fellowship and communion with God, that my worship this morning is a type of prayer, my, my uh, confession is a type of prayer because I'm in tune with the Father. Amen? This kind.
This kind comes out by prayer. Prayer. Everyone say prayer. Be in tune, in communion with the Father. In communion with the Father. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. I know for myself, and I think it's safe to assume, that's not anyone in this room or anyone watching this that could not say, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's the point we want to get to by getting beyond the formulas and diving into and going deeper, going higher, whatever you want to call it. Getting in, in, in a relationship with God where you're constantly commun in communion with him. You're listening, you're dialoguing, you're listening, you're hearing. Center prayer, just being quiet, being quiet. Try that sometime. Just quiet your mind down. Say, okay, God, I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to sit here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hear from you. Be in tune with God. Build ourselves up in our most holy faith. In Jude verse 20, build yourself up in your most holy faith so that we're not faithless, we're not, in, in, we're not arguing with one another, we're loving one another, and we are in communion with the Father. Praise God. Would you please stand? Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share the word today. It's my heart's desire, Father God, that we can go from this place of uh, solidify and identify what we are believing and where we are opening our hearts to you. And we're crying out to you and say, this is what I believe, but help my unbelief. And even in that honest confession of saying, help my unbelief, the desired results were experienced. So, Father, I know that you're not opposed to us being honest. You are opposed to us camping in our unbelief and saying, no, we're staying here. We're refusing to believe you. But, Lord God, we are not refusing to believe. But there are things that we haven't been able to wrap our minds around yet, to wrap our hearts around yet, and come to a place of, 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 of uh, solidly saying, yes, I believe this. We want to grow to that. We want to continue, Lord God, to, to grow in the grace and, and love and, and in faith. So, Father, I pray for all of us in here today, those watching online, bring us into that place of uh, growing beyond the things we're not able to believe today. But we're growing in it, Lord God. You're helping us. And we thank you for your ability, Lord God. Your ability, Lord God, that all things, anything, say this again, say anything is possible. When I believe, I believe you, Father. Help me in areas of unbelief this day. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, if you're here today in the auditorium or you're, you're watching this online and you never came into a place of believing in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that simply means, uh, like in John 3, 16, if you believe, that God so loved the world, and he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. We enter into the gift, the assurance of eternal life, life after death, by saying, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So let's just pray that together. Say, thank you, Father. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. He died at the cross, was raised from the dead to newness of life, I believe that in my heart, and I declare today, and I receive today, Jesus Christ as my Lord 
am my savior. I believe I'm born again. I believe I have eternal life. Thank you for it, Father. Amen, amen, and amen.